If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks for coming back. Um, today we're going to talk about a very hot topic. It's a hot topic in parenting, but believe it or not, it is just as much a relevant and hot topic in our field or arena of parenting, parenting autistic kiddos or neurodivergent kiddos is the comparison trap. And it is that uh, trap. So hang tight. We're going to jump right into that conversation here shortly. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. Okay, so we are going to have a very honest conversation uh, that we felt even as a, as a group of us, all of our kids are all so different. Not one mirrors another. And we've, we have mentioned that before, but the, the profile of autism for any of our children, it's, it's an uneven profile of abilities. So you could be high performing in one area and they could be lower performing or can't, or not able to perform in another area, but it doesn't make their autism really any less significant. Can the presentations in certain areas be more significant and profound or severe? Absolutely. Can they also be really almost to savant-like, right? Absolutely as well. It can be very easy with such a spectrum, you know, that's very appropriate <laughs> here, very, of, very appropriate. Of, of skills and abilities that, or lack thereof, um, or behaviors, whatever it is that it can become very divisive because then we start label locking our own kids and our own families. And we also, mm-hmm. and it's, it's also very natural and normal to at certain moments feel compelled to feel like envious at times saying, Oh, I wish my kid did this. Or you may find yourself saying, 
thank God my kid doesn't do that. You know, like, well, at least he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do that. I know that I've been guilty of all of the above. Um, Mm -hmm. Or, or, or even feeling um, gene insignificant in the sense of my child isn't autistic enough. enough. Right. Isn't it? Is either. Yeah. yeah. Or you feel like they're too autistic or there's, or not, you know, you have, you can have like completely the far end of the scales. And what happens is then it shuts down the conversation. It shuts down the communication that really needs to be had because looking at all of our kids, they're all in different quote unquote levels of support according to the DSM, right? But so often we find ourselves remarking on maybe a certain behavior or even skill that one of our children have and be like, oh yeah, you know, so Shannon's not here. It's just myself, Jean, if you didn't know, Brittany and Tosh (laughs) on on this very (laughs) meaty conversation. But, you know, Shannon, it really, what really tipped it off for me the other day was in our conversation, she was talking about how, you know, my child, Gracie likes to dump out very expensive products because it's one of her stims. It's what she likes to do. And, you know, it's like part of the wear and tear. And she said, you know, like Rory does. And I'm like, yeah, that's like so true. It is a really big thing for us. And I have definitely had lost a flushed a lot of money down the toilet, literally and figuratively (laughs) um, from this, from such like behaviors. Right. And at that point too, it gives us some relief because there's like, there's a commonality there, even though Gracie and Bori can, are very different. Yeah, vastly um, different. Yeah. You know, they, but they have some of the same stems. They have some of the, you know, similarities and maybe like uh sensory seeking that they like, but they mm-hmm. also have, mm-hmm. they're very different in their, what they're averted to. Um, Gracie, mm-hmm. of course, much- is even a much to me. Like I know Shannon doesn't think so, but Gracie eats better than Rory, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. Austin, Brittany eats better than probably (laughs) my, both of my children, you know? And like, it's, you know, there's all these cliches out there and many of them are true, but they're not universal and they're not monolithic. Like none of Mm -hmm. our situations with our children are monolithic, but I, the reason why we want to have this conversation is a lot of the connections that could happen with from us to another parent and I can be immediately shut down in just one moment because of some one thing that's exchanged. And by that time, mm-hmm. you have completely made a decision about they may not, they must not be my people or we have yeah. nothing in yeah. common. And you know what? we might be doing a disservice to ourselves as well as our children um, Mm -hmm. in those cases. Our community as a whole. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I find it very comforting knowing how different all of our kids are, you know, and their needs, the level of support that they all need. It's all different. It's, it's all, Mm -hmm. it's all different. Um, and that we are, we still have so much in common as, as the moms that we are in our group of friends. But if someone mm-hmm. had only said, well, Brittany, 
you can only hang out with moms that have children that are non-speaking and are really profoundly severe and that's it. And that you're mm-hmm. in that box, right? It cuts you off from the conversation with other moms. And the same thing would go for you, Tosh, which I will actually allow you to talk about because I do think that's very, mm-hmm. very important. There's so much I've mm-hmm. heard since I become a member of, you know, we're a member of this community once you are indoctrinated. <laughs> you got your badge. Got your badge, got your diagnosis, got your diagnosis, got that uh, big <laughs> F38. What is it? Is it 38.0? What is F? You are asking the you wrong know all people. The, yeah. Like I was going to make you tell everybody what just to, so they know DSM, like some people may not. <laughs> the DSM. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the uh, mental health gene and, manual. Gene the di- and big diagnostic yes. manual. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, Brittany was a psych major. <laughs> so like. It was, it was it was so long ago. I don't remember anything. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I'm just I'm all and I'm only just saying that, um, Brittany or Brittany, uh, blah, blah, Jean, because um, you know, when people are going through the diagnosis process with their child, it's like all these you know, acronyms and things and therapies and all of this is just being like thrown at your face and you're like, oh my God, what does this even mean? So crazy because I, I listened to my episode we just published today and it was talking about this very topic actually. And I mentioned, so the only reason why I think I have like, I'm scarred from like that with DSM-5 because the first, when we got the denial for Rory's ABA therapy, it was like, this needs to be based on DSM-5 criteria. And I was like, mm. what is that? What is yeah. that? And I'm like, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I had to be an expert in this arena. Like, I'm just going to know yes. that. That's going to jump off the page. Like, I'm sorry. My neurologist didn't even talk to me about that. This is based on the DSM, you know, whatever. And it's on the mm-hmm. fifth mm-hmm. edition, hence the five. So there's a whole history of that we can have a separate podcast one day on on the we'll do a, on the history on of the DSM, which is actually very fascinating. Um, so all my nerdy people out there, uh, you might really enjoy that uh, conversation. Anyway, anyway, so what I'm saying is is that you know we it's important to talk about the the various houses that we kind of get smushed into even as parents because of our children yeah, and, and how that can be harmful. But what's actually been beautiful about us is that we are saying, we are even open to say, well, this is what is the challenge for me. And I think it also mm-hmm. has opened us up. It's not saying that we weren't, because I do find that every single one of us is naturally empathetic, but I think it's even made us more empathetic. And why we yeah, want to yeah. hold space for, sure. I do, I've, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of the moms, dare I say, that believes in that vaccines caused my child's autism. Um, right. But I definitely immediately, as soon as somebody was talking to me about that, I used to run for the hills. However, just because I was like, I don't want, I don't, I don't, I'm not in that space and I don't need to believe that. However, I also believe that it's important that no matter what in this community, we all need to hold space for each other. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of what, what we continue on in our mission as, as moms mm-hmm. talk autism, you know? Well, and, and at the end of the day, 
being a listener, you know, like we, 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 we owe it to just humans, you know, we owe it to each other as humans just to, to listen to one another. And, and at the end of the conversation, you know, at the end of the day, if we don't agree with them, that's okay, you know, but, but to be respectful enough to listen to everybody's, um, you know, ideas, thought process right. around, because it's their child, you know, it's their child or their situation. And, and, um, we have to, we have to honor that. Um, I think one of the biggest things, you know, with this is like, when you think back to, you know, social media is a huge thing, right? We're all on it. I mean, and so you think, you know, when you first got that diagnosis for your child and you, some of us, I shouldn't speak for everybody, but, um, you know, when I first got onto Instagram and trying to find community, you know, and, and just following as many people as I could. And then you slowly start to see, you know, who you maybe um, agree with or don't agree with or, or unfortunately get into that, you know, comparison trap, you know, oh, you know, my child isn't, you know, as high as needs in this area as their child. And, 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 you know, I feel insignificant or, or, you know, I don't believe what they believe. Um, and, and, and it is, it is such a slippery, slippery slope. You find yourself being alienated for like a second or third time. Yes. I feel like when you're like, uh, and then all of a sudden it becomes even like your world becomes even smaller than it already is. Smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. again, I know that's not the, the way it is for everyone. Um, but I remember, you know, also in the beginning of the journey, being newly diagnosed and, and when I did get a mentor and, you know, and you look at their child is, is successful with the cocktail of therapies and everything they're having going on. And you're just thinking, oh, well, if I do all of those things too, I'm going to have the same outcome. And that's also kind of dangerous. It's beneficial because yes, you want to like Temple Grandin says, like you want to stretch your kids, right. And you, you want to give them, keep giving that loving push, but understand that all of our kids are in very different places and aren't going mm-hmm. to have the same, the same outcomes. They still could be very positive. Um, they also can have be really, like there's a very serious reality too, of when the, all of the, what you thought, all the cocktail therapies that you were doing is like, it doesn't get you to that initial end goal that maybe you thought you went in with when you started out things, you become, you have a different, you, you have a different reality. I think by like, even maybe by the second year or third year, definitely by the third year in, I was like, this is not this acute time span. We are, we are really Mm -hmm. in this for the long run. Um, Not, and not just, not to say that, when we talk about this too, and I think this also gets misconceived, I think it's important to say so that we're not, it's not taken out of context. It's not saying that my child would then stop being autistic because right. those three right. years of intense therapies and then voila, no, it's that, you know, you, you think that your advocacy will take a different shift and it will be get to become easier. And I heard, I heard so many parents say that too. So many times when I would like parents that had adult children or maybe teenagers, right. And I would 
come out and say, oh, you know, we just moved. I would give my story be like, hey, we just moved here. And, oh, I remember those days. These were so hard, but it does get easier. And I'm like, we cannot tell parents that. <laughs> That's a terrible thing. Any parent thing. to any child to anything. Like, but it got easy for you. They, but that, yeah, that's great, but that's not supportive or helping the parent because it's, there's many parents where it gets harder. There's even, because yeah. there are, there are diagnosed, there's, there are those diagnosed with autism that have literally, it's a deterioration. It's like regressive, like where they were like for a lifespan. So it's like, there is no getting ahead. And, and I remember finding and learning about those families even early on. And I really had my eye on that. It's just, there's not, there's so many different ways that the the different family dynamics, different ways of parenting, but there's also a lot of commonalities. So like, you know, Rory would prefer to be naked all the time. And I know that's a high preference well, so would I. for Austin. I mean, it is a lot simpler, right? We'd have a lot less laundry to do, um, but I don't really think the world wants to I'm just kidding, you guys. Um, Rory has learned to regulate himself more, but his preference is that 100%. And, and when, if our once the, like, cause you know, he's, he's has medication that helps him. Once there's like, you know, we need to rebalance the medication because his, he's growing or whatever, having a growth spurt, you know, those impulses return and you can bet your bare butt that I'm going to have some, I'm going to have more frequency Literally. of, of bare butts bare and butts. inappropriateness <laughs> showing back up and representing itself. It's not a regression. It's just like, Hey, I'm having a hard time controlling my impulses right now. And, um, this is where, where we're at. And also like, like being very accepting. I love, you know, I love when people are like, aren't so, I aren't aghast at my child getting naked and it's stuff, but other people are. And I'm kind of like, he's a kid. Like mm-hmm. it's not, he's a kid. And also he is a neurodivergent human. Why are you behave? Why are we reacting? Like, that like we I don't know I know it can be yeah it, alarming I guess but anyway it is comforting to know and you can feel like you're with your people when you know that you have even that that level of shared interest of saying that stuff doesn't matter when mm-hmm. we're together mm-hmm. and when I say together I mean that loosely because <laughs> when we're together yeah. Marco Polo <laughs> mm-hmm. Marco Polo. Um, <laughs> um, I, you, Jean, I just wanted to kind of add to that a little bit. Um, you know, just just even within the, um, you know, the diagnosis process alone of all of the side diagnosis. You know, Jack is diagnosed autistic with, you know, OCD, ADHD, SPD, you know, um, you know, speech delay, um, uh, you know, occupational delay, um, all, you know, all of the things. And that's, you know, Rory might have 
you know, a, a few of those things, that, but not all of right. them. You know, is or, it, yeah. Ro- ADHD, Rory and Jack are anxiety. Rory and Jack are both on, you know, medication for their ADHD, but like, you know, Austin, for instance, is not isn't diagnosed with ADHD. ADHD right. You know, um, or or even just like um we've talked about before, you know, uh Gracie, Shannon's daughter, is um highly, highly intelligent, you know, and and um and non-speaking and Rory and Jack are both they have you know various sa- degrees same of language, age right and they have yeah various degrees of of language um, but Rory they, was non-speaking you know, for a, a long time so like mm-hmm. too right so it's like sharing yeah. part of that wheelhouse he just, and he still has an articulation disorder but Jack is definitely much more articulate and expressive and has mm-hmm. more functional language even so, mm-hmm. right? But like, right. And but 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 Jack and Rory both are you know have intellectual disabilities. disabilities. So it's there's it's such an array of Austin does too, right, Brittany? He does have an intellectual disability. disability. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and I mean, even just seeing the difference between, um, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Ruby, Rory, and I'm <laughs> <laughs> Ruby, Rory, and Jack. Yeah. Ruby's <laughs> extremely hyperlexic and extremely. You know, they're all the same. Yeah, and they're all the same age. They're all in the same in the same grade, and mm-hmm. um, you know, all similar but very, very different. You know, so um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I even mean, what, with what's even your... with motor skills, and there's yeah. so many different. There's so many different um things, and it doesn't. I don't know. I guess it's just not. Whereas it may be off-putting or maybe parents feel more self-conscious. I know like in person when people are like, when then presented with the real life demand of we're at a birthday party, we're at this function. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's more limitations presented with one child versus the other. And I know that's also can be very confronting and be like, you know, um, and there, there can, there's all these like inner, like inner conversations that may be happening in the various different parents' brains at that time. But really, there's a lot more in common than there is, oh, different. Um, mm-hmm. If you can really get down to, if you can make the time or create a different space to have those conversations, I think that the issue is, is that a lot of the parents, there isn't us, they haven't found the outlet in order to have those conversations. Cause it's not necessarily where, cause let's just say this, we've all been together, like without our children, we have yet <laughs> to all be mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. with our children. Oh, <laughs> and let's see I just, I just start picturing it in my head and I, I start alternating between like laughing, crying, and mm-hmm. like anxiety mm-hmm. shooting through and, the roof. And, and don't don't oh, worry, yeah. audience. When when Terrible. we are together, it'll be like um the real world. We will video every second. We'll hire a vid- videographer. Yeah. <laughs> a videographer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I well, don't because even we will know. not even have a hand free to video it. Mm-mm. Like I don't know who's gonna mm-hmm. do it. And you you think our husbands are gonna do it. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> They'll be. <laughs> I think Especially they're just, not I don't know if, the, yeah, they're just going to mutiny on us and just leave all, uh-huh. all together. Yeah. What did We're you set on a me bike up ride. for? This is not a vacation. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I was going to say though, Brittany, because, you know, you and I have both had, um, you and I have both had people say to us, you know, with Jack and Ruby that like, oh, they, they don't seem autistic or they're not. And, and of course, you know, those comments are coming from, you know, people that don't have neurodivergent children. They don't ha- maybe even have the experience with um, being around, you know, autistic kids, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But um, how, how do you, you know, how does that make you feel, especially in, in the sense that, you know, you have two children, both on the spectrum who are vastly different, right. um, you know, where it's almost like you're having to defend the fact that, you know, like I have to prove it to you or something to prove, you know, to, you said, <laughs> to people, you said the my other daughter's- day, like it was, uh, you said it's easy. You said, to, and it's not the first time you said it, it was like, it's sometimes even easier. Like people can yeah. notice that Austin's autistic and they're right. not recognizing they overlook what Ruby's needs are because they're just like, it's just yeah. not as a parent to them. And we had a lot of that more when Rory was younger and then we have it, it still happens because he doesn't have, unless they, but until they engage with him, then they know different because then it's very apparent that like, he's not where someone would compare somebody on the neuronormative end of things. Um, Yeah. It feels that way to me. It's some, it's in some cases, if it is somebody who is a complete stranger or somewhere in the community where, I don't know the other person. There's no relationship there. Yeah, it is easier in some ways with Austin because he presents himself, his his behaviors, his lack of language, spoken language, his his uh, mannerisms um, read to you know most people. I would say as someone who has special needs. So uh, and and you know his size and his age also make that pretty apparent. Um, as you know, as a toddler, it wasn't so clear, you know, two year olds mm-hmm. all kind of do two year old things. And, and his, you know, where he tests and where he lands intellectually, when, when you run all of those, you know, standardized things, he is mm-hmm. at the mental age of a one or two year old. So, mm-hmm. uh, it. It's I know, jarring. But I also people. hate those assessments. It's they're not terribly accurate. It's it's a it's a way to describe something that gives you something it's, on right. paper. It gives, but it's it's, it's, not it's not even it's not really tapping into exactly what they actually know because you're not. No, it's not no. presented to them in a way that makes it a, a way for them to apply it. They're still being expected to apply it the way a normative person would. But it's so it's still measuring it that way. But I. So I always struggle with like, because that happens so much with Rory. No. Yeah. It's not even close to perfect, but it's something, it's a place to start. I was like, what other, you know, modifiers or adaptations have you done to like extract this information from him to like, to get better data, you know, Mm -hmm. one also to not make him dread it. I mean, I feel like too, I've heard that a lot from a lot of adult autistic people is that everybody's doing the same things to our kids all the time. They get bored. And so Mm -hmm. they don't care. They're not looking for 
to improve their scores or their app. They're just like, is this over yet? Did I regulate myself enough to get through this? They're not even like looking mm-hmm. or considering the content at hand. Like it's not e- like where it's like, oh, they're really measuring me here. That has, has no relevance to them whatsoever. Oh, I don't think so. Um, yeah. No. And that that's awesome. But it's like, but it's a disservice. It's a disservice to everybody because then you're also then basically some, I think that's also why they like will say, or there was a, I think the stigma is getting lesser, but it's still pretty significant. And that they like think that our kids don't have the ability to learn, especially once they get to be a certain age or something, or mm-hmm. based on whatever their label is that they only have a certain just, yeah, assume, level assuming. of learning. Yeah. And you just, you really just don't, it's so unpredictable. I mean, it really is so wildly unpredictable. It's not. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, yeah. But yeah, it's, it does <laughs> manifest itself in Austin. It's just much more apparent, especially to mm. those who don't have any history or, or relationship with us. Um, but yeah, in, in, in some ways, you know, it's easier for the, that first initial interaction. Later on, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously Ruby can interact and is um, verbally able to communicate with others easier than Austin can. And so they're able to see more of her, her wants and desires and she's able to let you know what she's thinking, you know, in a much easier mm-hmm. way. Um, it's, it's the comparison thing is there's so many different levels to it. I've still, I grapple with it every single day on various levels Mm -hmm. there, even with each kid. And then you, you know, you add two kids in there and it's even comparing them to each other. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, it's almost, it's, it can be very overwhelming and exhausting at times. Um, I I personally don't know any child personally like in my sphere of people that I've met and interact with on a regular basis. uh, I don't know anyone whose needs are as severe or as strong or as in need of assistance as Austin, um, as far Mm -hmm. as a special needs child. Um, Now I know others in social media and, you know, connecting all over the country and the world that I have met virtually that, that do, I'm not saying that Austin is the most severe person and, you know, look at, look at us, Mm -hmm. look at that badge that we have. Yay. Like, that's not what I mean, but I'm just saying like, (laughs) I don't know anyone. I'll be handing those out later. Yeah. Like we (laughs) don't get the blue ribbon for that. That's not, yeah, but it's just, uh, there, everyone that I have met personally within my community here in California, no, there's no one who, you know, struggles or has has the uh, I don't even know the right language to use but just the behaviors and the regulation needs the sensory needs that Austin mm-hmm. has they're just they're just very mm-hmm. very strong um mm-hmm. and it's it can be you're already isolated as a parent of a child with with exceptional needs who needs extra support and supervision like like Massive supervision. I cannot, I can never emphasize that enough of how much constant supervision he needs uh, to be safe, not only from himself, but to keep others safe around him. And that's 
really to be safe from others, all of that. And then, and then to add on, um, you know, an aggression aspect to it, it's just, uh, it can be very isolating in the special needs community on top of just the world in general, or just, you know, everyone out there, neurotypical people. But then there's another like tier on top of that. It feels like sometimes where, where we're even isolated even more. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, people, there's, there's wonderful programs out there. There's, oh, you know, we're having special needs day or bring your child here and we have the sensory thing for them over here or whatever. And you hear these wonderful things about what, what they can do to try to include people. And that's wonderful. And I love it. Most of them, Austin can't even participate in whatever level that they're trying to, you know, accommodate. Right. Um, he just can't do it. Um, it, it's, it's difficult. There's, there, there's a level of, yeah, keeping clothing on, um, where we can't go. I can't take him to a public pool or anywhere where we're swimming with other people who don't know, because he just takes, he takes off a swimsuit and he'll do Mm -hmm. it incessantly. Like, and, and you know what, we could kind of get away with it when he was younger because uh-huh. cute little naked babies are kind of cute uh-huh. and you know little little bum <laughs> now he's a man child little little yeah. white bums running around you know um and right. very white <laughs> i'll tell you that it's, it's blinding <laughs> but uh but it, it's not so cute anymore because it he he's he is a man functionally and you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh yep. it's uh, I male, can, male so, nudity in public is frowned upon, you know, so, I just say so I can relate to that. So <laughs> last summer it's, it's, mm. it's not as frequent. We could still, we were finding ourselves being able to go to the pool when he would get too comfortable. Then it would like come he was, my boy was taking it and it was like, no. And, and parents, people were acting appalled and like, they didn't know how to react. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, yeah, it, and sometimes I can get him exhausting. to get them to get back on or, you know, like he just did it when we went to our friend's pool, which at least that was a more intimate setting you know, and not in, intimate, in the public. Yeah. Right. And so it wasn't as alarming, but then this past weekend, I'm outside playing water balloons with the kids and the dogs and like bubbles and whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, McKenna's friend's like, Rory's naked. naked. I see his penis. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. first he was like, he's on top of the tree house. And then it was like, not only was he on top of the entire play structure, he was completely (laughs) nude. And I am literally screwing and taking off bunch of balloons you know, it's not exactly like a job I can just abandon when you're like in the middle of blowing them up and they, you know, I don't know. And I might, any kind of level of hypervigilance to try to like maintain that kind of like playing situation to not totally be, so then I'm like screaming to Brad, get outside. <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, whatever the code is for code red, code red. Like, come get him. He is naked in front of McKenna's friends. And there's just been a lot of, especially in Texas, I find that parents are a lot. 
not this friend, thankfully, but in general and being a trustee, people are very uncomfortable with anything that could be remotely sexualized about a child. Right. Right. And so like, that's what makes it so those situations become very unnerving. It's like, Oh, everything's going fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. And then just like, (laughs) just like that, it's not fine. Right. So it's like we're having, yeah, that's what happens with our experiences too. It's well, well, and I, 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 th- I think the part of that, you know, that, that is, <clears throat> is that it's the same thing with Jack, you know, and, and although he seems, you know, to, um, other, even, either, even to other friends of ours that have autistic children, you know, like, oh, he's, you know, he's more verbally competent, you know, expressive and, and competent right. and all this, but like, then something like that happens, you know, and he has, there's no understanding that it's wrong, right. Or right socially acceptable, or, you know, yeah. and, right. that it's socially acceptable. Like he's, it, he doesn't right. get it. And he just, it's, it's funny and not funny in a sense of like an eight-year-old boy, you know, saying a gross word or, you know, whatever, but like he, he truly doesn't understand that it's not okay for him just to get naked in front of a bunch of people, you know? Right. So, that level of they're just indifferent to it of that kind of competent, you know, like, I mean, and that is, and that is the, that is also the hard thing. And we're talking, you know, talking about primarily our male children here, but there is this like presumption of competence based on what they may physiologically appear. You add in Mm -hmm. a layer of, Oh, they can speak. There's this, then another layer of presumption of competence And then that's how their people, people's assessments are of, of that. And that's where it becomes very stressful. But mm-hmm. even, so like even inside that, so even in amongst other, you're like, oh, well, your child is competent in that area. So that means you're, you're all good <laughs> for mm-hmm. majority, you check all the other boxes and that, that is not the way autism works. Mm-hmm. And that's not parenting these children. It does not work that way. And we need a lot of empathy and a lot of grace and a lot of compassion. I also say is that comparison happens around maybe other friends and family members who may know another family that has an autistic child. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, their child's not doing this. Or you're like, why are you, why is your child doing this? Or why right. you're not doing it right. They must be doing it right. You're doing it wrong. And like, there's all that also that interpersonal kind of comparison relationship can come into play. I don't know if like this is helping anybody other than recognizing that all these nuances of like behave, like these interactions occur and really calling them out um, and saying like, yes, like we experience them. We've have experienced, we continue to experience them. Um, and but I, but the challenge would be is really challenging people to say, what are the things you can do to render a relationship with, with certain people or forge a relationship with certain families that could be like yours, where you could have, or have a separate time or separate outlet, like the ones that we have to Mm -hmm. talk about our life and our life challenges. So that way it Mm -hmm. kind of 
you're not so in the thick of it. When you're in the thick of it, it's like, there's just no room for, to have those conversations. Comparison. You know, just like, you know, or like to pull out the dry erase board and to educate people. Yeah. 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 Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I know people. So this was, this used to blow my mind and I know that it's still a thing, but like, you know, parents, when they travel, they'll create little like business cards for their kids sometimes. And, you know, and it'll have information about people with autism on it or whatever. And, and they, they, so if they see something happening and they are getting looks that instead of even taking the opportunity to have a verbal exchange, they just pass them this card and, you know, that minima. Yeah. But that's a lot of work too. Like, don't we already have so much strategy that, that goes into mm. like thought processing yeah, goes into like every that, detail of every day. Yeah. You know, there's times where I'm just like, I don't care. This is going to happen. I'm like, this is happening. I remember even one time, and this was like maybe even three years ago, Roy was melting down, going through TSA, you know, lovely airport experiences. And then um, he ended up not being able to regulate himself. The demand was getting too high because things were getting held up over some ridiculous minutiae. And uh, this woman was having a fit and mad at the way Rory was acting. And I said, you got a problem with this? You need to go take it out with TSA right now. I said, because this is happening. Like this could be avoided. I could easily have avoided this situation, but we deserve to be here and we're entitled to be here and we're not going anywhere. And I'm sorry that my child's meltdown is bothering you. <laughs> Not my best moment, but it happens. Yeah. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. important to, to, yeah. If, if it is those who are observing our families and our children who maybe don't have a lot of experience with neurodiversity, it's important to, you know, what I, a lot of people, they'll, they'll hear what we're talking about today and they'll be like, well, then what do I do? How, how Right. How can I find out? And I <clears throat> right. think I think your point is is really valid, Gene, is is to be able to when the time is appropriate, you know, maybe not when you're chasing your naked kid down the street, but at other times when things are calmer, have those have those private conversations or those personal conversations to learn more about that particular yeah. child. Because if you meet one mm-hmm. autistic person, you've met one autistic you've person one. and that's it. Mm-hmm. You don't know about autism in general as a whole yet. Right. Um, and, and then, and then if any, if I have learned anything from having these kids in my life and meeting all of you and being a part of this community as a whole is to not judge anyone for anything pretty much mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, yeah. and just give, give people the benefit of the doubt. I know. And then that's a cultural yeah. issue as you know, society we're going to have to work with, work on and and we're hoping that these kinds of messages and these stories and these conversations will will change some people and help them be yeah. able to just transcend, be more understanding and these obstacles that are impairing well, our way at, of actually connecting <laughs> with the rest of humanity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean at the end of the day uh, it, within our community all of our children or any person out there they're all autistic, right? There there is no one higher than the other. Right. There's nobody, no, no special needs family. That's your heart is, is, um, you know, my heart is, is worse than your heart. You know, like everybody has hard, everybody has hard and everybody ha- is different. Yeah. Um, and, and much like you said, Brittany, every, when you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person, you know, we cannot, 
we cannot compare. We have enough compare to the neurotypical world. You know, we have enough challenges with trying to, um, to find space to try to, to find inclusion, to find all of that. Like we cannot be doing it within our own community. We, we are a community to be a community, to hold one another up, to walk and to share our story and, um, and to see each other as individuals, to see our children as, as individuals, but each of them autistic, you know? Um, yeah. So and comparison has so many layers. I mean, that'll be like one of the things that I, I will say that is stuck out to me in this conversation. You know, there, there are so many different layers of comparison that I feel like we have to field. Um, and well, I and- witnessed or observe sometimes in other parents and other families, because they'll maybe go, there's, after you've been isolated for so long, you start to think, well, everybody that has an autistic kid is living this way, you know, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. not, that is not either the case either. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a natural thing to do. We all, that's how right. we human nature. Yeah. We, we can make sense of the world and process it is you have to compare right. things like, and so I think what's important when, when you are recognizing or seeing something that maybe doesn't look like something you've seen before or heard before, or you've experienced when you see a child or an autistic person out in the world, you know, you need to, yeah, you might start comparing or, or thinking, well, oh, my neighbor down the street, he's autistic and he's like this. Well, that, that's not the same. And then, and then you have to stop right there. You have to recognize right. and be self-aware enough and cognizant enough to be like, wait a minute, I'm making a comparison. Right. Maybe I need to gather some more information before I complete this thought and make a solid judgment about it. And therefore, that's my, my new reality. And that's where, right. you know, it just takes time and patience and practice. And we're hoping, you know, we all need to do it too. We, we each of us, we compare things all the time. We we do it within we our, compare our it within the four of us circle and our right brethren. here, <laughs> and we have to we have to. I have to remember when Gracie stop when Gracie started yeah. texting Shannon her oh, wants and needs. Gosh, first of all, I was, I was just going to say thrilled. That. I was like so excited, and then I immediately started feeling sorry for myself that Austin can't do that. Uh-huh. And then yep, I yep. absolutely can't. He's running around chasing mm-hmm. me around the house, telling me to type. Type, yeah, type, yeah, type, yeah. Like on demand. Well, and Austin's hitting grandpa, 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 grandpa over and over and over again, and then chucking his iPad across the room because you know yeah. I'm not like, understanding. Doesn't even know what to tell you. Yeah, he doesn't even know what to tell you to type. <laughs> exactly. And so, so yeah, it, it's all it's like this field of emotions, right? First, I'm thrilled. Then I start comparing. Then I recognize I'm right. comparing, and so I have mm-hmm. to, I have to consciously stop myself stop. from doing mm-hmm. that. And then move on. And now I'm back to just thrilled for Shannon. But I had to work right. through that, you know? And I think we all have done well, that for and, each and, other, and, at least at some point one, you know? It just happens. And to remember, our, our children all have their strengths and weaknesses, right. you know? And 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 um, just even amongst the four of us, we each have our, our strengths and weaknesses. You know, we're not, as, you know, I guess, considering us neurotypical, we're not we're not on an even playing field, you know, we're, we're all vastly different. So, um, in their, in their time, in their way, you know, and that's it. That is it. I would like to, um, so, so I will say the other day, one of the influencers, maybe even been yesterday shared, I thought it was a really positive set of advice. It was a good challenge. 
And it actually helps kind of transform even that moment, that moment of comparison that even happens, like even from like, she was sharing it from mom to mom, you know, mm. and um, she was sharing, you know, she was sitting to some next to somebody on the plane and, you know, she's this influencer has two young babies and she was traveling for work and her business and the person sitting next to her. And she was like, that would have been so incredibly hard for me. I would feel awful. You know, there was this kind so saying that they couldn't, I couldn't imagine. Right. And, and so, so she said, so instead of saying you couldn't imagine say, I can imagine that, that, that is probably hard for you. Instead of saying I couldn't, she said, change it to imagine what it is probably like for someone else. Change the language, reframe what you're saying. And it actually changes one, how it'll possibly land with the other mm-hmm. people, you know, that you're saying it to, or if you're saying it to yourself, you know, especially if you are trying, if you're caught yourself into this comparison and how you're trying to cycle yourself back, you know, that just imagine what that is like for that other person. And, um, I mean, that's why it's like, they say what comparison is a thief. It really is. It's a thief of joy. Mm -hmm. It really can. It steals our joy could potentially steal others joy. And so it's like, we don't need any more joy taken. (laughs) Yeah. They stop taking my joy. Don't take my joy. (laughs) Yeah. Take my, or, and don't take my, what's Maria Kondo. Don't take my or no, what is that? Never mind. I don't know. Does that spark joy? I thought spark like, joy. Oh, spark joy. Yes. That's <laughs> okay. right. That's spark joy. <laughs> Comparison it can can definitely take the spark out of out of relationships. Yes. Out of our joy. I mean, you know, and like like we said before, it, it, it is a valuable tool when it is used appropriately. But when it comes to right. interactions and human relationships and relationships with those who are maybe different than you in whatever capacity that is, it, mm-hmm. it really can do more harm than good. And so mm-hmm. um, if we can maybe focus more on, yeah, what we can do, what we can imagine, what we can see together yeah. as opposed to what we can't do and what's so different I think it really does make a difference. And it is something that you have to practice doing and you have to be aware of. It's not something that, oh, well, I just can't do that. Or she's naturally better at it than me. You're comparing about comparing, you mm-hmm. know, like just, <laughs> just <laughs> focus on, on, on trying to change that language within your own mind. And, and we are all working on that too. We are not perfect at it. So oh, not, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Yeah. I can be a total... I can be very cynical about it and, and sure, it's like, it's like, I can't, and I, yeah, I can be kind of ugly about it. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just being honest about myself. It's like, Jean's I like I'm just it. working through things over I here. I am working, working through things. I'm working through some serious things over here. Um, so yeah, that was a, we, this was a great conversation. I mean, we, mm-hmm. We probably people, I would really like to hear after our listeners, you know, listen to the episode, like having their feedback from this and knowing what their situations are. Um, Cause there's so many different 
levels, like we said, of like comparison, whether it's you're doing it to yourself or someone's doing it to you and you're kind of like. So I do have a question about that. that. Yeah. Like if we could end maybe with that, like, what do you do if someone won't stop comparing your child or, or, or is using it in a negative way to you? Like what, what do you ladies do if someone is, you know, throwing their comparisons mm-hmm. at you and, and, and implementing them into your family. That's kind of where I'm at right now. And I'm working through that. I okay, don't have right. an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you that it's a struggle for me. And I think people don't even realize some people don't even realize that they're doing it. No, I agree. And it's like, it's, it is a boundary. It is going to have to be, it's, it's deciding what, where the boundaries need to be drawn. What do you need to communicate to them? Cause I'm not trying to shame them. They can't, right. that their, their perspective is what their perspective is. Their lens is what their lens is because of the way they're able to live their life every single day. So it's like, that's why it can be sometimes very, it can be an imposition to like ha- let people into your world that you're, you're inviting you, comparison. You're, yeah. Yeah. You're basically inviting the comparison in. Right. So it's like, or you feel like you're obligated to tolerate it <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, to some extent here. And that, um, yeah, it is, it is, it's a, it's a self-reflection. It's a check-in that you have to do. I feel, and that's where I am right now. It's like, it's check-in yeah. with yourself. Like, what is it that I'm going to have to do to protect my space? Um, what about you, Tosh? And- what do you do? She yeah, goes I mean, all crazy I, eight on them and tells them to screw I off. I'm just kidding. I don't anymore, <laughs> anymore. And it would not just be words. We might go fisticuffs. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No violence. We are we horrible humans. Humans. Um, no, I've, I have dealt with this many a times um, in, in just, you know, uh, friendships with other people who have neurotypical children and, and you know, maybe comparing their child's whatever it might be, food allergy to Jack's autism, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm a straightforward person and, and, you know, um, I just, I just tell people, you know, I, I, I'm holding space for you and I'm, and I'm, and I want to hear your heart. I want to know what your heart is with that because, um, you know, we each have hard and, and, um, and and although we both have a hard situation, it's a vastly different situation. So there is no, there is no comparison. It's 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 apples to oranges, you know. And and even within, um, you know, like losing a child, you know, I've I've had many conversations with women who, you know, had a miscarriage at you know whatever it was four weeks, eight weeks, you know, sixteen weeks, and 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 when they're telling me their story, and they'll and they'll say, but but I I just I can't even imagine though, you know, your yours is much worse because, you know, you lost Jameson after after he was born. And, and I, and I, and I stop them right there and I say, your loss is not any, it's not, it's not any less, you know, um, significant or insignificant to the law, to my loss. Like we both have had loss and it's hard, like period. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how far along you were, if your child was, you know, alive for 19 hours or 18 years, A, a loss is a loss. So don't, don't diminish your situation and, and don't compare it to mine because it's, it's not even the same, you know, let's just, 
let's just be there for each other in, 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 in the grief journey, you know, and, and, and hold that space and that love for one another. Um, and, and then same thing within, within, you know, the, um, this community, you know, having the friendships that I've built now and, and, um, much like you were saying, Jean, having that, that language of, I can imagine that, that, you know, having a child that is non-speaking, um, is hard, you know, and, and I am grateful that, that Jack has the language that he does. Um, and, and I'm, I, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the, the abilities that he has and, 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 and then I'm, it's hard, you know, the struggles that he has. Um, so it, it is just that, that level of, I think, communicating with somebody, you know, and, um, whether, whether it's direct, relation to having both having autistic children or a family member who's comparing their life to our life, you know, um, I couldn't, I couldn't say it any better. That sounds, that was really good. You just can't. Yeah. Cause it does boil down to two as well as when you're examining having these conversations. So as we'll say, this is the other element to it is that the reason why, um, you know, you, I've prioritizing my own self-regulation in that scenario, right? Like by saying, okay, well, we need to, I need to create some boundaries around this because my mental health and my self-regulation is paramount in this situation. And I'm Mm -hmm. trying to prioritize that in this kind of outward pressure, or maybe it seems unintentional messaging, the way that it's landing is not so great (laughs) with me. And it's Mm -hmm. sending a different message, you know, it's an understanding that they under, you know, that you yourself, you're picking your own, you, your own self-regulation and mental health in that situation, in those situations and knowing, um, how you can better balance that. It's yeah, there's just no cut and dry way of doing it, Mm -hmm. but it is not, but there's no, don't be so cut off. I think too, Mm -hmm. again, like that's what it can be almost those on both sides. Comparison just can be very, poisonous, um, mm-hmm. to relationships, but can mm-hmm. extinct them before they even begin or completely extinct them altogether. So, yeah. um, and, and, and we, and we don't want that within, within this community. We, we, we need, need one other. another. We have to like we need each bust other. open the doors and a bust open as many conversations as possible and continue yeah. to do that and breaking down doors because that's yeah. the only way that we're going to make the world Create better the, for the, our in, children inclusion for our children and and for the the community as a whole mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely. like that's the, the only way um so are we ready for um take me to church peak of the week are we gonna go mm-hmm. peaks peaks of the week <laughs> Tosh, do you have a new peak do you have a new of the week do- uh, uh, peak <laughs> of the week it is the peak of the week oh now i feel like you need a keyboard that was like very i just I could hear a keyboard back there going <laughs> along with that jingle very well. Um, Somebody else go first. I don't know what mine is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I know what mine is. Okay. Go, Jean. It was very fresh. They uh, it, happened last, it happened last night. So um, I came back from picking up yet another animal that I've added to my circus. Oh, man. It's a menagerie over there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, and... Uh, the therapists, both the RBT and the BCBA were here and they said, Rory had us upstairs doing exercises 
and cheering us on. He was telling us what he wanted us to do. He told us how to sit butterfly, how to do sit-ups, to do push-ups. He and he was she was like being a hype man. And I said, Oh, he must be he must be doing that stuff in adaptive PE with with hmm. Coach Chad. And so this morning when I dropped him off and I talked to his aide and I said, last night, very interesting enough, I said, I said, is Rory like doing like warm-ups with Coach Todd and like the kids? Cause he started, you know, being Coach Todd's assistant. And she's like, Yeah, yeah. And Rory likes to lead the warm-ups. And I'm like, this is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I was like, he was telling his therapist. Future he's a future um PE teacher. Oh my Love god, that. it was cracking me up. So aerobics it's instructor. So funny. Coach that's not Coach the Rory. end. Rory. It is. It's not the end. It's not the end. That's is this is only the beginning of of what is to come. So that mm. I am enjoying that. I love it. He will be the Ned next uh, Ted Lasso. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, God. That's awesome. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to be? That is like I know. the best. I know. Come on. If you guys haven't seen Ted Lasso, you need to watch it. Um, okay, Brittany, you go. Okay. So um, I am going to take nine teenagers to the mall cinema today to go see a movie. Um, this is for my, my typical kids. One of my, um, my, my third Tyler is going to the mall to see a movie with a bunch of his friends. And, you know, it's really, really hard for us to have friends at home. And so we were able to arrange this and Tyler's in charge. He's got everyone's tickets and it's a mixed group of friends from various parts of his life. And he's going to go to a movie with them. And I'm just, I'm just excited for him. He's Tyler really loves movies and likes, likes to the cinematic, you know, world in general. Um, mm-hmm. But, but that he's going to be uh, social with so many different kids and get this experience. Like it just doesn't happen very often for our family. So we're, I'm excited for him and he's going to have a blast. So, yeah. Yeah. But you awesome. did the way that opened out. You went nine teenagers, and I'm like, that doesn't. I know, and sound I was like, like that is not like that's a not a peak of the week. I'm glad you. I, I, <laughs> I'm glad it well. took. It took it. It had. It did have the the pivot. A spin. Yeah, of not being has, in my house. Yeah. <laughs> not in your house, oh, and that it was for Tyler. But I was like, wait, are these meaning all of the teenagers in your house? And you have to go? No, 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 no. Yeah. It's one teenager from your house and other people's teenagers, which does make a difference. It does. They're not your children. Well, you you keep us updated on how. Yeah, I think they're going to have an awesome time. I'm I'm hoping it's everything he, you know, is. Yeah. Yeah. Expecting. Mm -hmm. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tash. Okay. My peak of the week. Um, duh. How could I have forgot this? Okay. Uh, Saturday, I got to go on a girl date oh, yes. with my really close um, girlfriend, Alexis, who is also a mama to an autistic child. Um, and we got a full day of just being out and about shopping. We went to the Frida Kahlo exhibit at the Portland Art Museum. We went and had sushi at my favorite sushi restaurant, Bamboo Sushi, um, and then went shopping again. It was just It's like my glorious. perfect date. <laughs> it's, I will, you know what? I will fly you here and we can have- We'll just re- recreate it for date. me, please. Can is, I- it April, yes. is it April 25th? Is it not too hot? <laughs> not, not too cold? cold. <laughs> just need a light jacket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
It's perfect. Oh my gosh. Oh, and geez. let's end there. <laughs> end there. Don't forget to follow us yes. on um, our Instagram platform at Moms Talk Autism. And what else? Send us and here. Send us your of feedback. Course. We want to hear what your experiences yeah. are because it's not just limited to what yeah, we you share can, here you can today. Email us at hello at moms talk autism. Um, we do get emails. We we really try to respond to everyone either on Instagram or emails whenever we can. Um, sometimes we, since there's four of us, we uh, we. <laughs> messages will fall through the cracks, but we really, really try. So please, please contact us and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks for joining us. Bye guys. See you later. 